We're going to think for a couple of minutes about what it might mean to be channels of peace. And our Bible reading this morning comes from James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. And the words should appear on the screen for you to follow along with. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that batter within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, when we think of the big questions of war and peace, injury and death, pain and suffering, it's easy to imagine that this is a problem that is out there somewhere. So I think that this is something that's beyond our control and not something that we ourselves have caused. But we've become all too aware over the last 12 months of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. And despite us seeing increasing energy bills, that is still something that feels very far away and something that we can't do anything about. Now, our Bible reading today was from James chapter 4. It's part of a very practical letter to Christians and all people, where James talks about the origins of war. And in this passage, he says that it's quite the opposite of being out of our control. James says that wars start with our attitudes to each other, and every single one of us is guilty. Now, often in these services where we're all together, we like to get people to act out the story by, I don't know, pulling faces, making noises, doing actions. But to be honest, as you've just heard, it's not exactly the nicest passage to act out, and it would probably involve an awful lot of fighting and frustration. So we want to avoid fights. But perhaps as I read to you the first three verses again, this time from a different version, the message translation, you might want to think about what this actually looks like in your circumstances, rather than acting it out with a neighbor and end up accidentally hitting them. So this is James chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3 from the message. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think that they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside your souls. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Does this look like something that you've seen perhaps in the news or maybe even in your own homes. 
I know I've seen an awful lot of it. And I think over the coming weeks, as the World Cup looms, we're going to see even more of this greed. And in this passage, James helps us to understand that these fights and quarrels, which can ultimately end up in wars, are actually caused by the wrong desires of our hearts. Those wrong desires often begin with words like, I want that. And when we're small, the I want that might be about a toy that you see in a toy shop or something that somebody else has got in their hands. But as we grow older, that I want that might be about something like a bigger house or a better job. It might be that I want that is the fancy new phone that your work colleagues got. It might be money, power, or maybe things that are even bigger than I can even imagine right now. But it might simply be that I, you're saying that I want my own way in every situation that I find myself in. And even for those of us that are here in church, we might be saying, I want to be involved with that ministry, but God's actually given it to somebody else to take on. The desire to want something is common to each and every one of us. But the problem comes, as James says, when we aren't willing to ask God for what we need. When we start to just want things that other people have without going first to him. You see, if we allow that I want it desire to get bigger and bigger and bigger inside us, this desire can very quickly become the I've got to have that desire. And before we know it, we get totally focused on getting what we want. And don't get me wrong, society all around us screams to us saying that that we should have it. You deserve it, society says. But if we can't have it, quite often that desire turns to, well, I'm just going to take it. And we've seen what happens when that last part becomes a reality over the many, many years of wars, some of which are still ongoing today. But James here isn't talking about the wars that are happening far away from us, that are out of our control. He's talking about us and our everyday lives. We might get involved in a fight so that we can take what we want. We might lie about others at work so we can get a promotion. We might argue with others so that we can get our own way. Some people even resort to crime to take the things or the money that they want And in the very worst case scenarios, some people even kill others so that they can forcibly take what they want. And so we can kind of begin to see how that attitude of, I want it, can lead on to things that are far more serious. Now the reasons why we go to war can of course be very complex. But the writer of the book of James recognizes that so often the root cause of war is the wrong desires of our hearts. And the Bible has a word for this. It's called sin. And I'm sure many of you have heard of that word before. It's a word that describes all of the wrong things that we do and say. And to be honest, it's everything that's wrong with us. But the good news is that as we read on in the passage from James... This isn't how things are supposed to be. And it isn't how things have to be either. God cares about you and he cares about me. And he wants to help us to be better people who don't live lives that are full of envy, frustration, anger, violence. He longs to change our hate into love. And the Bible says that God wants our hands to be washed and our hearts purified through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
God wants us to be people who are filled with love for one another. He wants his spirit of peace and compassion to be inside each of us. And this, this will be the way to end wars and put our broken world back together again. That's the long-term plan, though. But as we all know, we're not quite there yet. And so in the meantime, the world, like our hearts, is going to be a battleground. And that's where each of us come in, because we are called to be peacemakers in our land. All around us, wars will rage on. People will continue to be greedy, angry, violent. But we don't have to make it worse. In fact, we can be people who shine light into darkness to turn despair into hope. And this is something that we're all called to do. And through all of the Bible, we see examples of how we should do this. Even in this passage here, though, James says it isn't something that just happens. This isn't something we can just talk about and hope will magically take place. In order for us to be peacemakers in our time, we need to be people who actively say no. Say no to evil. Reject sin. Reject the thoughts of greed that come along. Drive out selfishness and hatred. And instead, we need to be people who say yes to good and yes to God. We need to stop blaming others for the problems in our world. And instead, we need to look into our own hearts. Are we doing all that we can for other people? Are we humbling ourselves before the Lord, submitting ourselves to him and all that he asks us to do in the search for peace? Now, I don't want you going away from here thinking this is an easy thing to do, because it really is not. Because actually, when we do that, when we look at ourselves and think of the ways that we strive for peace in our world, it's actually something that causes us to really begin to hurt. And in verse 9, our passage says that through our self-examination, we'll end up grieving mourning, wailing. Our laughter will change to mourning and our joy to gloom. But the good news is this isn't how we will always be. And as we've taken time to remember today, it's right for us to be sad as we think of all of the lives that have needlessly been lost. And it really does epitomize everything that is wrong with the world, that we even have to have a day like today. But it's also right that one day we can look ahead with expectation that one day all wars will cease. The Bible promises that, and I really do believe that that will be true. And when that day comes, we will still remember, but our sorrow will be replaced with peace and our sadness replaced by everlasting joy. As we were talking about earlier, there are lots of symbols that we have. And many people today have worn poppies. And we've all made ribbons this morning as symbols of remembrance. And my prayer this morning is that one day we won't have to have poppies. We won't have to create ribbons like this to remind us of how we should strive for peace. Or perhaps how we should think differently in the future. But at least for now, whilst we await the day when all wars will cease, I pray that we would see these poppies... And see these ribbons as reminders to change our ways. To be peacemakers wherever we are. To be selfless. To be generous. And to be loving people. I want to end today's talk by sharing with you some of the best words that I've ever heard on this topic. 
And it comes in the form of the beaver promise that every beaver makes when they join the group. And it says this, I promise to do my best and to be kind and helpful and to love God. And for each of us here today, may we all strive in this meantime to do our best, to be kind and helpful and to love God. Amen. Let's pray together. God of love, we pray for peace in our world and an end to all wars. As the hymn we just sung goes, instead of hatred, let there be love. And Lord, we pray that as we look on the ribbons that we've created today and the poppies on our chests, may we not only be reminded of the sacrifices made by so many people so that we can gather here together this morning, But also may we be reminded of the need for us to humble ourselves before you so that we may be peacemakers wherever we are in whatever challenges that we are facing. We pray that as we come near to you, you would draw near to us and help each of us, Lord, to know your love this morning. Amen.